The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Baptist, Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to go through a lot of verses. I'll begin to teach a little bit at the beginning of the message and at the end of the message by the grace of God. Apply the truth that I believe God has for us here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 7 through 15. I'm not going to read all those. I think I'll stop at verse really 11. And I may go down. No, I'm not going to. I may, uh, just verse 11 there, 7 through 7, 11. As they departed, Jesus began to say to multitudes concerning John, what went ye out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Well, nobody does that. What went, went, what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft remnant? You know, real nice clothes? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? What would you do? What would you go out into the wilderness and, and see? Well, a prophet? Yea, I say to you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, and I want you to underline these, this next sentence here, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We have something to look forward to because the best we are going to be here will be the least over there when we get to heaven by the grace of God. Losing the old nature changes the whole picture, doesn't it? And the old man is going to stay here on this earth. He's, he's from dust. He's going to stay on this old earth. So though we don't want to die and though we've got been put in us this desire to live, yet really as born-again believers, we have a home, a city we look forward to, a country. That is so much better. The least in the kingdom of heaven is better than here. John was one of uh, the ones that was to come before the Messiah. Uh, in verse 14, I think of this same place for chapter 11. And if you will receive it, this is Elias or Elijah, which was to come. Uh, he, he takes that. And we get all this Elijah to come thing from Malachi, or as the Italian would say, Malachi. Chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Well, this was written about 435 B.C. That was before Christ, and Christ born around let's say zero in our time, they're really probably born around 4 B.C., but nevertheless. Um, 
So it's written about 400 years before the Messiah was to come. Now, from Malachi to Matthew, there's what we call 400 years of silence. There was no word from God through his prophets to the people other than what he had already said in some 39 books of the Old Testament. Uh, so he had spoken all the way from you know Moses on, down to give him the Pentateuch to Moses and all of that, and all the way down to Malachi in 400. So he started about 1446, or let's say 1406 B.C. with Moses, and he ends with Malachi in about 435. So it's about 1,000 years that God has spoken on a fairly regular basis to his people, through starting, of course, with Abraham and then uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob having 12 children, those being the 12 tribes of Israel, and the 12 tribes of Israel being eventually the children of Israel, ended up coming out of uh, Egypt somewhere around two and a half, uh, maybe even three million folks, and then establishing eventually into the promised land a nation called Israel. And God worked through Israel. Their job was to spread the knowledge of Jehovah God throughout the world. They failed. They couldn't even behave. Uh, the, instead of spreading the knowledge of Jehovah throughout the world, they disobeyed Jehovah and took on took on the uh, uh, practices and and the gods of the people around them. And how in the world are they going to tell the Moses, how are they going to tell the world that Jehovah saves and Jehovah's God and He's creator of all that is if they're taking on the, the the ways the ways and the gods of the people around them? And God Himself had to judge His people to the place of almost annihilating them. I just went through the history of the Old Testament. Malachi, low time, low time. Babylonian captivity, they'd been 70 years in captivity, now they're back, but just a handful of them, 45, 46,000, 43,000 plus, and, you know, from millions down to 43,000. God lets them come back, and they rebuild the temple, and it's rubable, but, man, it's just a small little thing. In fact, the Bible says when they rebuilt that temple, the old men cried. They didn't cry for joy. They cried for sorrow because they remembered Solomon's temple. And they saw this little temple, and they said, oh, this little temple is just a nothing. Oh, woe was us. But the young men who had never seen the temple and hadn't had a temple were born in Babylon. They rejoiced, and they were having a spell. We are back in the promised land, and we got a temple now. But that's about all. And then within 400 years, God chose to bring silence, silence, no more prophecy. They had what? They had the 39 books of the Old Testament. They had it. Now they could go back, look at it, and God was there with them. 400 years. And God said in the last chapter of the last book written before the 400 years of silence, he says uh, in verse 5 and 6 here, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, this prophecy in Malachi chapter 4, 5, and 6, I believe is what they call a two-fold prophecy, a two-stage prophecy. Do you know Jesus was said to come, and he, he, was, he was witnessed to come in the same kind of method. In other words, Christ has come, and, and this is what confused the people who were reading the Old Testament, is they saw Christ coming as a king, putting his feet on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah, it splitting him being the king of the earth, and, and every ruling, uh, Isaiah 11 and so many other places, him ruling this old world with a rod of iron. And they were looking. And by the way, when disciples uh, met Jesus, they kept saying, you, you bring the kingdom in? You bring the kingdom in? Because they were looking for Jesus to conquer Rome and conquer all those 
wicked Gentiles that had had rule over them. And he said, no, I'm coming as a lamb. I'm coming to die for, for sins of the world. So those Gentiles, which you hate, can be saved. Because you didn't do your job and spread my name and my fame throughout the world. You disobeyed so much, I had to judge you to the place that now I've come, and now it's going to go to the Gentiles. And I bet most of you in here are Gentiles. And it's come to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm glad I heard the gospel. And so John the Baptist was a unique guy. He's a crossover. You know, most of you know a crossover. Something that, that takes two different things and tries to put them together. He took the Old Testament saints and, and the old economy of the Old Testament. He brought it to Israel. And he began to preach. The Bible said John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was an old hellfire, red-faced, damnation Baptist preacher. And you know who accepted him? The poor people. Poor people accepted him. The people down and out, the people that didn't have much, they went to him, they ran out, because he didn't preach in, in king's houses. He went out there by the Jordan River, and he didn't wear the normal clothes. He didn't eat the normal food. I have here in my on the outside, you know, sometimes I do a sermon, I get a thought afterwards. So I got a thought afterwards. I put on here, he was alone in the desert. He was of plain dress. He was of plain food. He was of plain speech. That's a whole nother sermon. And yet he went out there, long-haired hippie. He was. He never cut his hair. He was a Nazarite from birth. He was a wild man. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And I think locusts, you know, they try to make out like some plant, but I think that's a grasshopper. I think that old boy took that old yellow stuff they put out and go. Some of you people kill me. You'll say, ooh, I don't like the texture of that food. I was like the texture of a grasshopper. <laughs> All I can tell you, you get hungry enough, you begin to like it. John himself denied that he was Elijah. This is why he's coming. But I've, I didn't finish my thought. Jesus came as a lamb, and then he was, of course, uh, uh, resurrected, and he eventually was ascended, right? Right? Acts 1.11. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He went into heaven physically. He went into heaven visibly. He went into heaven with power. He's coming back that way. The second, see, Christ's prophecy was twofold. It was a first coming and a second coming. And John the Baptist, I believe, is the same way. You have the first coming of Elijah in the man of John the Baptist. But he wasn't Elijah. He was not Elijah, but he came in the spirit of Elijah and the power of Elijah, the Bible said. So he fulfilled this prophecy in part of Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. John himself denied that he was Elijah. I'm not saying that off the cuff here. John chapter 1, verse 21 says, And they asked him, What then? Are thou Elias or Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are thou the prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou that may give an answer? And then the sent us, Why sayest thou, What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, 
I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, is what he was referring to. And he was referring to the statement that says there in verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, this is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. But in verse 4 it says, every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. That was not fulfilled in, in John the Baptist's day because it's a twofold prophecy. What he's describing there in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4 and on is in the tribulation period, which I believe it will be fulfilled in its fullness and in its exactness when Elijah does show up as one of the two witnesses. What's the other witness, Moses? Well, the two people appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration were who? Moses and Elijah. I just think maybe it could be those two guys. But I know one of them is going to be Elijah. And he's going to show up as one of the two witnesses. And he's going to call, just like it says in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. What is that? The second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming when he comes as a king of kings and lord of lords and is the word of God. And, and he's wearing a vesture dipped in blood. Then Elijah, well, one of the two witnesses will be preaching. The Bible says that God is going to give them the miracles that they had to stop the rain like he had before at his word and fire come out of his mouth and, and devour those who offend him. He's going to be one wild preacher. The world hates preaching. They hate old-fashioned Bible preaching. Makes them uncomfortable. I'd rather get uncomfortable and get saved and go to heaven than to be comfortable and die lost and go to hell. How about you? Since when is it bad to say something that you don't like? My mom and dad got me over that by the time I was six days. Bible says, I want to know where it says that, Luke chapter 1 verse 13 or verse 15, Luke chapter 1, verse 15 says, For he shall be great, speaking of John the Baptist. This is Gabriel. I trust him. And Gabriel says, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. People say, Well, Brother Bill, why don't you drink wine or strong drink? Because I'm a Baptist, and I want to be like John. Many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I can tell you one thing, I, this is not the sermon, but if you love Jesus, you love children. If you love Jesus, you love children. I'll guarantee you Jesus took a little child and put him in his lap and he said, you want to go to heaven, you're going to become like this child here. You stay like you are, you're going to hell. Folks, a, a, a Bible-based, God-centered, Christ-honoring ministry must be involved with children. We must be all over finding children. He says, when you do it to them, you've done it unto me. Think about the thought. When you pick them children up today, Jesus said, you did this as if it was me. Well, how many here would like to do something for Jesus? 
How many here would like to do a favor? I mean, something that really got to his heart. Uh, really, he appreciated. There it is. He says, one of those children, he says, it's me, it's me. Oh, and he says, if you abuse one of these children, it'd be better for you. You just put about a 300-pound millstone around your neck with a rope, just cast yourself into the sea. Wow. Man, I am rabbit trailing everywhere today. John was described by his father, Zacharias, in Luke chapter 1, verse 76. It says, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. Thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto the people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby day spring from the high on high hath visited us. What was the job? To give light to them that sit in darkness and in shadow of death and to guide our feet in the path of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and he was in the deserts to the day of his showing unto Israel. That's John the Baptist. He was a hellfire and damnation, repent or perish, preacher. The Bible says that the poor people, most of the folk, most of the poor folks, po, po folks, repented. And follow, but you know what Pharisees, them old Pharisees, they rejected John. They didn't think he was a prophet and they rejected him. They said, He has a devil. They said, That old boy's got a devil. He's not. Why? He didn't go to our school. He didn't get our degree. Well, he didn't get our sanction. He's not licensed under us. And we're the authority. He said he's a devil. Now, anybody calls somebody a demon, a devil, that's pretty bad. You, I mean, to a preacher, you can't get worse than that, amen? I've had people sit across my desk and say, you are the, the devil, not a devil, the devil. And I said, now, wait a minute. You think I'm like him? I mean, the big shot, the number one, the God of all the earth? I'm not. Oh, yeah, you are. I felt in high cotton when they called me that. I went around going, man, gee, John the Baptist and I have our same, we're about the same status. John the Baptist and I, we're same status. I've been called the devil. I mean, not a devil. I have been called that, but the devil. I thought I'm bad, but I didn't think I was that bad. John, like Jesus, was misunderstood and rejected. Luke chapter 7. Uh, I want you to turn to this. Luke chapter 7, verse 29. I'm going to read a few verses there, starting in verse 29. Luke chapter 7, if you would. You say, Brother Bill, you don't give me time to find the place. I know. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized uh, with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of John, basically of him. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another, saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not wept. By the way, John the Baptist was the first Baptist preacher to ever lose his head over dancing. Got to know your Bible. For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine. And what did you say? There it is. He hath the devil. 
The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. You say, behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all their children. John came, John the Baptist came in austerity. And they said he had a demon. He was a Nazarite. The Nazaritic vow, which you can take for a long period or short period, but he had it for his whole life, meant they would never cut their hair. They would never drink alcohol or the fruit of the vine of any kind. They would never eat anything unclean or they never would touch a dead body. Samson, you may be reminded, was one of these. Jesus came, normal, everyday man. And they said he's a gluttonous man, a wine bearer, a friend of publicans and sinners. And here's the truth of all that. And I think what Jesus is saying by that in, in Luke, he says, I believe it says, don't miss God. Don't miss God when he comes by you because you have somehow made God in an image that don't fit or you've made him in a likeness of your own imagination. I've heard preachers say to me, if you were really a preacher, you wouldn't do that. They have some sort of a stereotype of what a good preacher is, but it's a false stereotype. And consequently, they're wrong. And consequently, the worst of all is they miss the truth because they cut off what's being spoken because they didn't agree with the way it was spoken. People tell me, I don't like preachers who yell, so they don't listen to them. But let me tell you, John the Baptist, I think he was a yelling, screaming preacher. How do I know? Outside. No PA. Now, if I take you folks outside, I guarantee you one thing, the only way you in the back are going to hear me is if I talk like this. Oh, I'm sorry, I got my mic In fact, till recent history, all preachers were screamers. Because if anybody wanted to hear them, they had to talk up because there was no electricity before Thomas Edison. And before electricity, you had no amplification. Before amplification, you just had a pitch punch pause in progress, breathing out of your diaphragm and doing the best you could to pro they oh they would put they would put elaborate, and I've been in some of the churches where they build them out of a dome, and literally you can hear a guy whisper back there that's talking over here, and that all is helpful and everything, and they had all kinds of neat. The Romans built a coliseum in the side of a mountain so it would reflect off of the floor, the marble floor, up to maybe here in 10,000 people. It said to Gypsy Smith, he spoke without amplification to 15,000 people, and they could hear him. I don't know how those old boys did it. I can tell you what. Be careful about saying you don't like this or don't like that. Be careful about telling God the way he's got to come to you. Be careful about telling God the way he has to present himself to you. Because if you don't present yourself this way to me, I'm not accepting you. It's to your loss. These people, the old Pharisees, they were all sophisticated, you know, educated, PhDs. This old boy came out of nowhere. He didn't have an education. He was like North Carolina Hills, North Carolina. He didn't have an edu education. He couldn't spell well. He didn't pronounce right. And, and, and he, 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 they said, oh, that offends me when he uses the word ain't. We had an old boy come here. I don't know if you heard him or not. Probably not. How many, maybe nobody in here heard him but me, my wife. McKinney, you remember McKinney? Some old hill, hillbilly from Kentucky. No offense meant to those folks in Kentucky, but he happened to be a hillbilly from Kentucky. I think he rooted for Louisville. But anyway, I, he came here. He was in Vietnam. That was right after the Vietnam War, and he, and, and he came here. He'd been in Vietnam War. His, his platoon had been completely overrun by the VC, 
and everybody in his platoon had been killed. He laid, a, his guy was in the hole with him, been shot in the head and was laying on him. And the only reason he didn't die is because this, this, the guy who was in the hole was laying on top of him. He remembers the VC coming in the holes. They were shooting people in the holes as they went in there to make sure everybody was dead. When they came to his hole, he was positive they were going to shoot him or, or, or uh, bayonet him. And, and he said for some reason they saw this guy laying in there. Of course, the guy was bleeding bad, and he just laid there and played dead. They didn't shoot into the hole. They didn't bayonet. And he was the only man out of the platoon to live. He said, I told God when those VC were coming and people were screaming, he says, I heard my fellows scream like rabbits scream when you kill them. He said, I told God, if you'll save me, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll preach because he had been called of God. He rebelled against him and joined the army. He said, God save me. And you know what? Of course, he's preaching to us. We figured God saved him. But I'm going to tell you, I have never heard English slaughtered, mutilated, twisted, changed. As I, that man had language of his own. It's a Kentucky Hill, back hill language, I guess. The people of UK, the way UK speaks. I always figure to get your adrenaline up, you may remember something. But let me say, folks, I remember that old boy's sermon. I've heard thousands and thousands of sermons by some of the best preachers possibly ever walked the planet, and I remember that old boy's sermon. You know what I learned a long time ago? You never know how God's going to come by. You don't know how God's going to come by. He comes by in John the Baptist, I'm taking it. He comes by in some educated, sophisticated man that sounds like he's inventing the language as he goes, possibly like what Whitfield sounded like, possibly like what C.H. Spurgeon sounded like. I'll accept it if it's the truth of God. John the Baptist came being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting about John the Baptist? John the Baptist did. No miracles. Sometimes people say, if God come by in a miracle, I'd believe him. There you go again. Making all these stipulations that if God's going to come by the way, I think he ought to come by. I'll believe him. Beware of that, folks. John, isn't it interesting that God sends John the Baptist? Not not only is he outside their education system, he's outside their society. He's outside normal behavior. Behavior. And he comes preaching repentance and, and, and get right and confess. By the way, old-fashioned public confession. Oh, we've gotten so sophisticated, but we are so carnal. Let me tell you, give me a group of people that aren't afraid to get in front of a group of people and say, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. And I'm going to tell you, God will be there. And old John the Baptist had them old boys confessing their sin beside the river, and then he'd baptize them after they confessed their sin. The Pharisees wouldn't do it because they didn't want to confess their sin. Well, that's embarrassing. What will people think of me? They missed it. Old John the Baptist, he's preaching hellfire and damnation, but he didn't, he didn't have one miracle. He didn't do, he didn't heal one person. He didn't 
raise up one person. The Bible says he did no miracles. John chapter 10, verse 41, if you don't believe me. Jesus' words said John did no miracle. By the way, he didn't drink alcohol. He was in poverty. He was separated from the world. In the, in the most radical definition of separated from the world. Uh, he didn't speak in tongues. I hear people on TV say, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit. The Bible says John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, and he never spoke in tongues that one time. The Bible says tongues is something, well, it says it this way, do all, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? The answer is no, 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 no kind of tongues I believe the Bible's talking about is the kind of tongues that, that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about verse in chapter 13 and chapter 14. If you want to know more about it, those three chapters tell you all you need to know about it. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, the first two sermons, Peter preached in, in what he felt was probably Aramaic or Hebrew, and the Bible says that everybody uh, heard him in their own native dialect, dialectos, and, and that's the gift of tongues, that you can speak in a language you never learned. He never learned. How could you speak one sermon in 17 different dialects understood you? Is that not a miracle? I was in Haiti, preached one time. I said, oh, God, please give me the gift. Give me the gift. And he had this old Haitian interpreter. He, he gave him the gift, meaning he could understand my English and then he could tell them in Creole. That's what an interpreter is. The Bible says don't even speak tongues without an interpreter. Don't do it. Don't do it. And really, if you read those chapters, it says everything. Seek, the, seek earnestly the best gifts. He said the best gifts, edification, prophecy, edification, that others grow. And I don't have time this morning to paint the picture for you, but the Bible's clear. The greatest gift of all is love. Chapter 13. That's what we want to seek after. Seek after having the love of Christ in you. Well, there's been an overplay on that. What division it caused from the 70s and 60s and 70s and 80s. There's a divided church after church after church over something so crazy as that. I want to be like John the Baptist. I want to serve God. I want to obey God and do his will. How about you? That's what he did. John the Baptist, with all these other things, was the greatest man born of woman, filled with the Holy Spirit, no miracles, no special gifts did he have other than he could preach the Word of God and obey his will and did what God asked him to do. And brother, you and I, that qualifies all of us. Amen. Whatever gifts God wants to give you, praise the Lord for it. I'll use them for his glory, but it's going to be to the edification of other folks, not for myself. Because if it's just for me, that violates the First Corinthians chapter 13, which is love. Father, help us understand John the Baptist a little bit better today. Help us not to miss you when you come by. Oh, forgive us for, for setting up these obstacles in our mind. That things got to be just so and so and this. But if it's biblically true and nothing violates the word of God... And you come as John the Baptist, or you come as Jesus, as you came as the normal guy? Father, help us. Lord Jesus, there may be some in here this morning that have rejected the Christianity because they knew a hypocrite or two. They've rejected the beautiful gift of salvation because maybe their mom or dad uh, didn't act the way they should, or, 
or the deacon they knew didn't act the way he should, or a preacher maybe didn't act the way he should. And, 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 and they said, well, I don't believe in all that religious stuff. I don't believe in this Jesus. I don't believe in the Lord. But, but yet you know in your heart, someday you're going to face God, Jesus Christ himself, actually, eyeball to eyeball. What answer will you give? What have you done with Jesus this morning? Have you accepted his claims and the testimony about him? Do you believe that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day for your sins? Do you believe it? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins, be your Savior? Have you cried out, God be merciful to me, a sinner? Have you sought his face? Oh, I hope you do. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by thy spirit, saith the Lord. The spirit of God come by your house and tug on your heart. Why don't you say yes? I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Father, save somebody today. Father, there may be Christians here that are out in the world and out taking things of God lightly and premeditatedly uh, making all kinds of restrictions and, and building all kinds of walls. Father, help us to be bridge builders. Encourage us in the way. And help us to be in some measure like John the Baptist, the greatest man ever born of woman, in doing the will of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.